the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. We'll take a look at today's headlines in these first couple of segments, and we'll take a look at the lighter side of the news. James Blinn will join me for that. And in the second hour, the Christian Outlook. We'll hear from Dr. Albert Moeller as he examines the nomination of Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson. We'll hear from Gene Holthouse, author of Managing Worry and Anxiety, and Joe LaConte of King's College, We'll talk about the battle of political philosophers or philosophies as seen in the works of C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien playing out on the world stage today. All of that's coming up on the Friday edition of The Georgine Rice Show. Well, President Biden warned that the Russian invasion of Ukraine will likely cause food shortages in some parts of the world because both countries are major exporters of wheat and remarks to reporters in Brussels uh, on Wednesday. It's going to be real. The price of these sanctions is not just imposed upon Russia. It's imposed upon an awful lot of countries as well, including European countries and our country as well. The president said both Russia and Ukraine have been the the breadbasket of Europe in terms of wheat, for example, just to give you an example, end quote. Well, Biden added that the heads of the G7 nations discussed potential food shortages, ways to alleviate those shortages, raising the possibility that the U.S. and Canada could increase exports. We had a lot of discussion, a very long discussion as well, in the G7 with both the United States, which has a significant, the third largest producer of wheat in the world, as well as Canada, which is also a major, major producer. And we both talked about how we could increase and disseminate more rapidly food shortages. That's a direct quote of the president, uh, end quote. Uh, Ukraine and Russia combined export over a quarter of the global supply of wheat and one-fifth of the world's corn supply. Bloomberg noted earlier this month, several Mediterranean nations could face a major supply crunch. Over 80% of Lebanon's wheat imports uh, come from Ukraine, while over 60% of Turkey's wheat imports come from Russia. That's according to the UN Comtrade data cited by the Financial Times. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said at a press conference earlier this week that the U.S. is itself not expecting a food shortage for Americans. While we're not expecting a food shortage here at home, we do anticipate that higher energy, fertilizer, wheat and corn prices could impact the price of growing and purchasing critical food supplies for countries around the world. President Biden and Ursula von der Leyen, president of the European Commission, announced in Brussels Friday that the U.S. and European Union will be launching a joint task force to help Europe pull away from its reliance on Russian gas. Biden said that uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin uses energy to coerce and manipulate his neighbors and uses the profits from its sales to drive his war machine. He said it's not only the right thing to do from a moral standpoint, but it's going to put us on a stronger strategic footing, end quote. Well, the task force will uh, work to ensure energy security for Ukraine and the European Union in preparation for next winter and the following uh, winter while supporting the EU's goal to end its dependence on Russian 
fossil fuels, the White House said in their statement. Well, under the plan, the U.S. and other nations will increase liquefied natural gas exports to Europe by 15 billion cubic meters this year. Even larger shipments would be delivered in the future. It's going to take some time to adjust gas supply chains and infrastructure that were built for the last decade. So we're going to have to make sure that families in Europe can get through this winter and the next while we're building that infrastructure for a diversified, resilient and clean energy future, the president said. Meanwhile, Senator Joe Manchin, in a Build Back Better moment, Uh, reportedly told a group of climate activists and energy executives that he's open to supporting a new version of the president's Build Back Better agenda with some tweaks. In a reset reversed, this is the reset you might recall Hillary Clinton standing next to uh, Lavrov with the little button that she hit to indicate the reset with Russia. Well, President Biden's bluster on Russia before the invasion of Ukraine gave way to policies that appeased Vladimir Putin and followed the Obama policies. Not sure where that reset rests at this moment. A Democratic mayor declared violent crime a public health emergency, a move that a police union president insists is merely political. And President Biden said the food shortage is going to be real following the sanctions placed on Russia over the Ukraine invasion. Democrats, afraid that pain at the pump will influence voters, are pushing a proposal or proposals, plural, that would send direct payments to Americans to relieve the discomfort. It would also add to the deficit and would certainly contribute to inflation. Daniel Jurgen, a Pulitzer Prize winning author and vice chairman of S&P Global, highlighted the importance of the shale revolution and energy independence long before the Russian invasion of Ukraine. In a media cabal, CNN, MSNBC and other networks ripped into the GOP during coverage of Judge Jackson's confirmation hearings, accusing them of racism, sexism. They were all in with the Trump nominees and the insulting questions asked at that time. But we don't have an even uh, hand Currently, CNN's John Harwood appeared to suggest the GOP questioning of Judge Jackson's record could lead to some something dangerous. Not sure what that means. And USA Today went viral on Thursday for suggesting there is significant nuance, significant nuance to what defines a woman. My niece, she's eight. She could do it. My nephew, he's six. He could do it. Pete Hoekstra suggests the partisan behavior of past and current leadership of the Intelligence Committee is so bad It might be called the intelligence cabal. And Tucker Carlson reminds that rather than ask a single actual question during the recent high court confirmation hearings, Cory Booker just slobbered all over the nominee. Chuck DeVore, he points out that incapable of defeating the Ukrainian military, Russia now seeks to destroy Ukrainian cities, killing as many civilians as possible to force a surrender. And Rand Paul says he has legislation to give members ample time to read bills before they vote. It would also increase transparency and incentivize legislation to be, well, shorter. With environmental fears, conservative employees are speaking out about being silenced and ostracized amid Disney's left-wing activism. President Biden said the U.S. would respond if Putin uses chemical weapons, and we'll tell you more about that in just a few moments. But I do need to take a break. Reminder, coming up in the second half of this first hour, the lighter side of the news. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. Is aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, winding our way through some of the day's headlines. Later on, we'll take a look at the lighter side of the news and in the second hour, 
the Christian outlook. So stay with us. Well, Pete Hoekstra, he suggests that the partisan behavior of past and current leadership of the intelligence community is so bad it might be called a cabal. And President Biden says the U.S. would respond if Putin uses chemical weapons. The president said the United States would respond without uh, Filling that out, if Russia deployed chemical weapons in Ukraine, though he declined to explain what the response might be. Shelby Tolcott, senior White House correspondent for The Daily Caller, said we would respond. We would respond if he uses it. The nature of the response would depend on the nature of the use, Biden says, when asked whether the U.S. or NATO would respond with military action if Russia uses chemical weapons. Vladimir Putin demands uh, unfriendly countries pay for gas With Russian rubles, the Russian leader has issued a demand that unfriendly countries purchase natural gas in rubles rather than dollars or euros in an apparent attack against America's global hegemony through the uh, uh, petrodollar and the international sanctions levied against Russia's central bank. Speaking before a cabinet meeting in Moscow on Wednesday, Putin said that his government will no longer accept compromised currencies such as the dollar or the euro from countries that have levied sanctions in response to his invasion of Ukraine. European leaders say in a it's a breach of contract. The German chancellor Olaf Scholz said what we have learned so far is that there are fixed contracts everywhere, which include the currency in which payments are made. And most of the time it says euro or dollar. And that's what counts then saying it's time to take off the masks on planes, airline CEOs are pressing President Biden. A group of uh, airline CEOs sent a letter to the president calling on him to end the federal mask mandate on public transportation, arguing mandatory masking is no longer aligned with the realities of the current epidemiological environment. Spencer Brown and Town Hallways in says what's more, the airline executives highlight that even the World Health Organization noted the failure of travel restrictions introduced after the detection and reporting of Omicron variant to limit international spread of Omicron demonstrates the ineffectiveness of such measures over time. End quote. People are leaving New York and California. The 10 most fled counties are in the two most populous blue states. New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago and other large cities lost the most residents during the pandemic city exodus, exodus rather last year. As about 75 percent of U.S. counties experienced a loss of population, according to a new report from the U.S. Census Bureau. The agency revealed on Thursday that Americans fled uh, metropolitan areas between April of 2020 to July of 2021 in favor of Southwest with Dallas, Houston, Austin, Phoenix among those to see the largest growth last year. ABC 13 reports that the exodus from the biggest U.S. metropolitan areas was led by New York, which lost almost 328,000 residents. Metropolitan Los Angeles lost almost 176,000. And San Francisco saw a loss of 116,000 residents. And Greater Chicago lost more than 91,000 people from 2020 to 2021. On the flip side, the Dallas area grew by more than 97,000 residents. Phoenix jumped 78,000 and Houston 69,000. In an effort to bribe Californians to stay, Gavin Newsom proposes $400 gas cards to ease the sting of the nation's highest gas prices. The California governor unveiled a new proposal on Wednesday to provide California car owners with the debit cards as gas prices have hit record highs in the Golden State. According to AAA, the average price of gas per gallon in California is $5.875, which is almost $5.90. 
uh, while the national average is $4.23, or nearly 24. The proposed payments are not based on income, but car registration status. In the package, Newsom also proposed funding a make transit and rail agencies uh, free for Californians for three months. Now, who will pay for the uh, the uh, drivers and the maintenance is unclear. The Democratic leaders have agreed California just addressed gas prices, but differed with Newsom on the details. Their plan would only extend to California households earning less than $250,000 per year in an effort to target Californians most in need. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has been called a dictator by Croatian member of the European Parliament, Mislav Kolakusic. The uh, member of European Parliament accused the prime minister of conducting a dictatorship of the worst kind over his handling of this year's Freedom Convoy protests in Ottawa. Croatia MEP Mislav Kolakusic made the the strident comment while Prime Minister Trudeau was on a two-day trip to Belgium. A feminist group has condemned the NC2A for ignoring the pleas of female swimmers. I've wondered where feminist groups were hiding. The Daily Wire reports a feminist organization is condemning the NC2A for staying silent amid a national controversy over the inclusion of a biological male athlete in recent NC2A swimming championships. We are deeply disappointed by the NC2A's promotion and celebration of a male athlete over the well-being of female athletes during the past few months. The executive director of Women's Liberation Front, or WOLF, Wolf is disappointed not just by the NC2A's silent treatment toward female athletes, Uh, She went on to say the organization is also gravely concerned that the NC2A has chosen to engage in gaslighting of our entire country. The CEO of Intel, Patrick Gelsinger, says the U.S. must act now to boost semiconductor chip manufacturing. From the story in uh, Fox Business, Gelsinger, he warned Wednesday that Congress must act now to boost semiconductor chip manufacturing with a global shortage before it's too late. Intel, the world's largest chip maker by revenue, is among the American businesses trying to reduce their dependence on foreign chip making dominated by China and other regions of Asia. Republican governors blocked efforts to protect women's sports. Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb spiked a bill passed by the state legislature that would have uh, banned biological males from competing in girls' school sports. Utah Governor Spencer Cox vetoed a similar bill on Tuesday that would have prohibited students of the male sex from competing in girls' sports. We learned today that the legislature in Utah has overridden the governor's veto. Apparently, fitness is now a far-right activity. That's the MSNBC columnist's argument. Physical fitness has always been central to the far right. The columnist writes, the intersection of extremism and fitness leans into a shared obsession with the male body, training, masculinity, testosterone, strength and competition. Matt Vespa weighs in. We've stretched the boundaries of reality here to its greatest extent. I mean, exercise is now Nazism. Working out is problematic. Is there anything other than whining that isn't considered a far right activity? New York City exempted professionals from the vaccine mandate in New York. Apparently money talks. The city's newly elected mayor, Eric Adams, on Thursday carved out a special exemption from the city's ongoing covid vaccine mandate that applies to professional athletes and performers. He says, today I signed an emergency executive order expanding the performance exemption to the private employer vaccine mandate. He declared, explaining that he made this tough decision in an effort to move this city forward and to help New York um, recover from economic devastation. 
Arizona and Oklahoma have become the latest states to uh, protect girls sports. These are to protect. On Thursday, the legislatures of Arizona and Oklahoma both passed bills that ban biological males from competing in female sports. And USA Today can't define woman. One of uh, big tech's leading fact checker outfits at Silicon Valley uses to justify censoring conservative content on social media is USA Today. However, in the latest demonstration that fact checkers are actually leftist thought police, USA Today asserted that science says there's no simple answer for defining the term woman. Science? And again, are we talking political science? Well, the left media rag was uh, responding to widespread condemnation of Supreme Court nominee uh, Brown Jackson, her supposed inability to offer a definition for the term because she's not a biologist. It is objectively true that the definition of the term woman, both scientifically and linguistically, refers to an adult human female possessing certain biology and uh, double X chromosomes. That this is a bridge too far for Brown speaks to her being committed to the um, ideology that brought her to the table. In other news, the U.S. announced new Russian sanctions and plans to admit thousands of Ukrainian refugees. President Biden warns of real food shortages following the sanctions, and the Army approved reduced physical fitness standards for women and older soldiers. Rent has jumped an insane 17 percent since last year and is now the most expensive it has ever been. L.A.'s population dropped by 176,000 in the first full year of the pandemic. NBC News is doctoring photos of Leah Thomas to make him look more feminine. And the Supreme Court is mum on the health of Justice Clarence Thomas, but Stephen Breyer thinks he's fine. Governor Ron DeSantis signed a financial literacy bill to support Florida's students. And on this day in history, 1915, the U.S. Navy loses its first commissioned submarine, as the USS F-4 sinks off Hawaii, claiming the lives of all 21 crew members. 1931, in the so-called Scottsboro Boys case, nine young black men are taken off a train in Alabama, accused of raping two white women after years of convictions, death, sentences, and imprisonment. The nine eventually would be vindicated. 1947, a coal dust explosion inside the Centralia Coal Company mine number 5 in Washington County, Illinois, Claims 111 lives and 31 men survive. 1965, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. leads 25,000 people to the Alabama State Capitol in Montgomery after a five-day march from Selma to protest the denial of voting rights to blacks. On this day in history, 2006, in Los Angeles, half a million people marched to protest federal legislation to make illegal immigration a felony and build more walls along the border. 2014, following a two-day security summit in the Netherlands, President Obama declares that the gathering took concrete steps to prevent nuclear material falling into the hands of terrorists, even though Russia and China failed to sign an agreement to beef up inspections. And finally, on this day in history, 2018, gun manufacturer Remington files for bankruptcy, reorganization amid years of slumping sales and legal and financial pressure from the Sandy Hook school massacre in Connecticut. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Quick break. We'll be back with the lighter side of the news. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, and we're going to switch gears just a bit and take a look at the lighter side of the news. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, given all the very serious and sobering headlines, there still is lighter news. We're going to take a look at that. I say we because James Blind has joined me in studio for that purpose. It is an honor and a privilege as always. 
Yes, but you haven't paid me for the last two times. Sorry. That was allergies. It wasn't me laughing. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. Uh, Lighter side of the news. A Massachusetts man is now touting an electric unicycle as the answer to high gas prices. Now, you come from quite a ways west to come Mm -hmm. to work here. Uh, I come from uh, north to come to work here. Unicycle. This might be the thing. Can you imagine it? I, the, the mental picture I have right now is uh, uh, going through the uh, the tunnel in the hills and, uh, yeah, on a unicycle. <laughs> well, this Massachusetts man said he has the answer for those singing the blues about uh, stratospheric gas prices. He's from Fall River, and he's taken to riding his electric unicycle to work. He's saving on gas. He's cutting his commute time in the process because he can, you know, cut in and out of different areas. Uh, it's just more convenient, and it's obviously more fun, he says. Now, he lives in Massachusetts. What's the weather like right about now? Um, he's, let's see. 40s, probably? Yeah, I'm thinking it's pretty cold. With no seat or handlebars, just places for your feet, he can go 70 to 80 miles an hour. I wouldn't recommend that on a unicycle. On one charge, and uh, he says that... He re- oh, I see. He can go 70, 80 miles on one charge, and he can go up to uh, 40 miles per hour, which I still wouldn't recommend, although he rarely goes that fast. It literally takes me four minutes to get to work, which tells me he's got a very short distance, however he gets there, versus about eight minutes in a vehicle. So he saved mm-hmm. half the time, four minutes as opposed to eight minutes. Now, And that me, is a lot of gas. That's a lot of gas. He could have walked that, I would think. Anyway, uh, he's allowed to ride on the sidewalk, but usually sticks to the road, keeping to the shoulder while, when possible. Uh, he can also move to the front of the line uh, at red lights, like cyclists, he said. So he has something of an advantage. Uh, his advice to those interested in buying an electric unicycle. Raise your hand if you're interested in buying an electric unicycle. I don't see those hands. Uh, it sells for about $2,000. He says you should wear protective and reflective gear and be respectful of pedestrians. It's the future, he says. In 10 to 20 years, I'm sure I won't even have to bring this up. Wow. I'm not think, seeing that. You know, the cool thing is it really does save a lot of money, though, when you think about it. Well, so does walking, but, but how plausible I, is well, it? Well, no, I mean, in the sense that uh, every Christmas you do not have to worry about gifts because uh, your family has shunned you and your friends have left you. <laughs> They've disassociated. Exactly. Disfellowshipped. So you save hundreds of dollars at the holidays. <laughs> well, there is that. Of course, you spend them alone and cold, but that's a whole other story. Oh, no, you just go for a unicycle ride. That's true. Well, this is sort of odd, and I'm trying to imagine a scenario in which this would make sense. Um, but a British restaurant is trying to find the owners of an unusual piece of lost and found property uh, left behind a, at a meal. A full set of teeth. Now, again, I'm trying to imagine the scenario in which this makes sense. Uh, the Barclay Pizza and Prosecco restaurant, it's in Royton, Oldham, England, said workers were cleaning in the early morning hours on Sunday when they found a full set of dentures on the floor in the bar area of the eatery. Now, it's in the bar area. It's entirely possible that the person might have uh, been inebriated. But the owner of the establishment posted a photo to the business's Facebook page showing a bag that employees labeled teeth. Uh, what else are you going to label it? Teeth. Uh, We get a lot of things left behind, she says, after a night at the Barclay. We've had house keys, phones, even a single shoe. Okay, I can imagine that, a single shoe. Uh, She must have uh, hopped home, she speculates. But this is a new one. 
Whalen, the owner, says the teeth were found at the end of a particular busy night, particularly busy night. It was a busy night last night. We had a party upstairs and it was busy downstairs as well. We didn't find the teeth until the end of the night. She told the evening news, our supervisor found them. They were on the floor by the bar. It's a full set of teeth, uppers and lowers, particularly wanted to post it because someone is definitely missing them, one would imagine. You know, it's funny. This yes, ring, it this, is. <laughs> this rings very familiar to me. Oh, really? I'd like to hear this story. Oh, yes. This is this is a good one, actually. Uh-huh. Um, my, my late father was a dental technician. He well, made false teeth for a living. I did not know that. Yes. And as a result, he got a lot of samples over the years from salespeople coming through and all that type of stuff. Uh-huh. The business business was owned by my grandfather, who was also a dental technician. Well, there you go. And so he got all the samples. Believe me, I've been throwing them out for months. Um, <laughs> but uh, I find one here. I find one there. If it doesn't have any gold in it, it's gone. But uh, there was a point where he was going with a bunch of friends to the Super Bowl. And this was... 1969, so it's mm-hmm. quite a while ago. And uh, he, for whatever reason, had a dem- demonstration set of dentures on him. And after a few adult libations on the flight with his buddies, mm-hmm. he decided it would be funny. Now, mind you, you, you met my father. You remember his personality. I do. This is completely atypical of him. <laughs> I can only think that the, the, the libations made him come out of his shell. Um he decided to place the uh, dentures in uh, the airplane lavatory and then went back to a seat. Okay. Shortly thereafter, the flight attendants noticed <laughs> said dentures, probably pointed out by another passenger, and strange, vague announcements started going over the plane. <laughs> Will the person who left a dental device in the restroom please ring your bell? A dental device. Eventually, they, they, I think they may have even broken down to say dentures. But what, what had actually happened when the plane landed in Florida, they, um, the pilots came out and the, all the flight attendants were out. And they shook everybody's hand and smiled so wide at them that you have to smile back. <laughs> to make sure. To make sure you were not the one missing teeth. <laughs> so those things wound up in a lost and found somewhere because he, you know, he, they were basically sacrificed for the greater joke. <laughs> But yeah, That's so when hilarious. I heard this, um, in fact, my aunt, who is a sister, has encouraged me to, at some point, keep a, a demo set of dentures and, as a tribute, leave them somewhere. <laughs> tribute to dad. Yeah. So wow. I may do that someday. We'll that is see. definitely out of character for your dad. Oh, very but that's much. hilarious. Maybe it's, that's what happened here. It was deliberately left. They as were soon never as I heard that, like I said, I'm like, I know this story. <laughs> I know how it ends. That's pretty funny. Yep. Well, mystery solved. Exactly. They should have called us. Should have called me at least. Well, there was a 101-year-old man who had to drop out of high school in West Virginia in the 1930s, and he was presented with a diploma more than 80 years later. Never give up on your dream as long as it's practical and makes sense. Jefferson County Schools in West Virginia said that Merrill Pittman Cooper, who was 101, attended Storer College, a former high school at Harper's Ferry, but he had to drop out during his senior year in 1938 
when he and his mother relocated to Philadelphia for financial reasons. It wasn't plausible for him to go back. He expressed regret about never graduating during a 2018 visit to the former Storer College campus, leading relatives to reach out to the Jefferson County schools. Well, those efforts culminated this month in Cooper being presented with an honorary diploma by Jefferson County schools in a graduation ceremony that was attended by his family. Jefferson County Schools is committed to helping every student, young or old, fulfill their dream, said the superintendent. Uh, For Mr. Cooper, that meant receiving a high school diploma. We are honored to help make that dream a reality. So there's hope for you, James. There you go. You might go back to your elementary school and... Redo everything? (laughs) Or in this case, he didn't have to do anything. You just have to age. Age in place and you'll get a PhD. Yeah, but at this rate, he's going to have to wait until he's 190 to get a college degree. Well, that's probably true. I want to have a PhD, so I'm thinking if I just hang around, somebody will have pity on me. If any college people are listening, (laughs) university folks, uh, direct your emails to Georgine at kpdq.com. Excuse me, Dr. Georgine. Dr. Georgine. Well, not yet. Well, no, but I'm just, by faith, I'm speaking it into existence. Oh, Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm thinking we might need to take a break. I think you somebody do. needs to settle down. And yes. it, it might be me, but it not necessarily. It could be Sam. I'm not saying somebody needs to settle down. I'm not going to name names because I care about the people I work with. I do see streamers in the background, so it could be possibly <laughs> Sam. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. We're going to take a break. If you come back, we'd love to have you. If you don't, you're going to miss out. We'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Things have settled down and we now have permission to proceed. By the way, just want to remind you coming up in the second hour of today's program, the Christian Outlook. This week, a lot of attention focused on what's happening in Ukraine. So I hope you'll join us for the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show. James Blend has joined me in studio, and we're taking a look at some of the lighter side of the news, beginning in this second portion of this segment of the program. How's that for kind of chopping things up? There you go. Hair today, art tomorrow. There is a uh, Filipino salon owner who uses, well, her own hair uh, to create portraits. Are you buying? Um... Probably not, but do, do do expound on this a bit more. Yeah, by the way, it's a him instead of a her. I think I misspoke. Every few months when Gestoni Garcia takes electric clippers to his own head, he's not just giving himself a haircut. He's also harvesting art materials. You know, everything's expensive these days. Why buy paint when you can just clip your hair? Using a thin brush and clear, sticky resin, the co-owner of a Manila hair salon sprinkles these collected strands and clippings on a blank white canvas, taking two to five hours to arrange them into striking images of musicians and actors. The 32-year-old, his main job as a seaman involves... His main job? He has a main job. uh, He involves, uh, as a seaman, involves spending up to eight months a year on cruise ships and lacking adequate art supplies like paint and sketch pads at sea which he could purchase and bring along with him, just a thought. Uh, In 2021, he turned to using his own hair to create images. You know, I'm always struggling with what to get you for Christmas, James. I think I've stumbled onto something. Can I make one little observation? Sure. Were there a lot of cruises in 2021? (laughs) That's a good point. I don't know. This doesn't seem like something that was birthed on a boat, so to speak. (laughs) Well, this is what he's saying. 
I don't know what to tell you. Well, he started with self-portraits. He clipped his own hair and made pictures of himself out of it. This is getting increasingly disturbing. And eventually, narcissistic, apparently. He moved on to depicting celebrities. Uh, Away at sea, much of the time, rather than in his salon, he uses only his own hair, sometimes shaving his sideburns when he needs a little extra material. Uh, He said making this art helps ease his stress as long voyages uh, take a toll on his physical and mental health. A little exercise might be good. The the toll on his mental health is obvious. (laughs) Yeah, as expressed in his hair-raising artwork. We need to have an outlet to deal with depression, he says. For me, my outlet was making art, adding that he eventually wants to sell his work. See? Christmas. See, the the one thing that uh, if if I were him, I mean, you know, maybe uh, if you're really thinking about going far with this, maybe some preemptive use of uh, like Rogaine is what what happens if you lose your moneymaker? I don't know what to tell you. All I know is I'm going to be calling the guy right around Christmas, finding a little portrait for James, maybe sending him a picture of you and he could actually make your likeness out of his own hair. Wow. There you go. My my daughter got a haircut this week. Oh, she looked so cute. Yeah. It's a it's, little bob with bangs. Mm-hmm. And, Very uh, cute. It had been probably, I don't know, maybe a foot long or so before that. Mm-hmm. And uh, she hated having it brushed, so she wanted it a lot shorter because she didn't want something that tangled as hard. But uh, I did uh, I did tell her we drove drove past uh, the next day. We drove past the uh, haircut place. And uh, I did say, I was like, you want to go in and glue your hair back on? <laughs> you know what you need to do? Did you keep the hair? Because I'm really on to something now. That Christmas present, give me the hair. I'll send it to the guy. We'll have a portrait made of you out of your daughter's hair. This is genius. Check that, that off my Christmas creepy. list. <laughs> well, it's maybe a little creepy, too. A little creepy. A little bit. All right. I'll wow. Come up with something else. Here's something else. 252 people wearing lion costumes set a world record in Ireland. I mean, think about that for a moment. 252 distinct individuals dressed up in lion costumes in order to break. I mean, you can do virtually anything, whether or not it's worth doing, if it has any meaning. You just do it. If no one else has done it, you've set a record. You know, you think about it that somewhere somewhere there is a Chronicles of Narnia play that cannot find a lion costume for Aslan. <laughs> Probably not. And it's because of this. A total of 252 people donned lion costumes in an Irish town to set a Guinness World Record for the largest gathering of people dressed as lions. I mean, I'd be interested to know how many lion costumes are in Ireland. This has got to be all of them. Well, at least 252 of them. Well, the Wicklow and District Lions Club... There's the connection. Okay. Teamed up with students and teachers from the nearby Dominican College to take on the record. The Lions Club said Guinness World Records officials told organizers the goal was to beat the 250 number that had been set before. And a total of 252 people in lion costumes were tallied during the event. The club said it had been planning the record attempt for nearly three years. They thought about this for three years and nobody said, this is a waste of time, guys. Let's do something charitable and meaningful with our lives. Anyway, um, as planned, they um, 
attempted to break the record in 2020 and in 2021. They were postponed due to COVID-19. So now... But they were wearing masks. Now, <laughs> I know you could have put the costume on. That's what I'm saying. But you'd have to gather together and maybe you have to be in a certain proximity in order for it to be a record. No I don't know. No socially distanced lions? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Anyway, 2022, the big year, 252 people donned lion costumes in an Irish town. Wow. That's definitely a first world accomplishment. Accomplishment? Uh, I, I, <laughs> well, yeah. Broadening the use of the word as misplaced. Somewhere, And the sad part is, the saddest part is, somewhere somebody is thinking, 255. I I, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. A clueless bear picked the wrong fight with the wrong pigs on the wrong day. Winnie the Pooh and Piglet? This is not the ending oh, okay. <laughs> that the bear had in mind. Now, apparently, there were several piglets and Winnie. A bear in Connecticut got more than he bargained for when uh, he picked a fight with two pigs. Pigs are vicious from what I understand. I'm not going to be anywhere near one to, to find out firsthand. But instead of a quick snack, the bear soon found itself in a fight of its life with two Vietnamese pot-bellied pigs in New Milford. Well, owners uh, of the uh, pigs... Kevin David and Rebecca Shaw told local media the pigs' names are Hammy and Mary. Not that that matters. I'm very proud of them because Hammy, the little one especially, he's afraid of his own shadow. And the way he came charging out when he saw Mary tussling with the bear was impressive. He was like, oh, no, 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 get out. Well, the bear got the message. Despite the bear battle, the pigs were no worse for wear. They're fine, says the owners. Uh, there are uh, some heavy uh, pigs, and uh, we're pretty sure that the bear is still a cub, so the balance of power wasn't that far off. Well, the uh, local television station in Connecticut noted that the legislature is considering a bill that would legalize the shooting and killing of nuisance bears in some situations, such as the destruction of crops and beehives. Pigs were not on the list, but given this situation in Connecticut, it may at some point in the near future be lawful to shoot and kill a bear who's a nuisance to a pig. You know, it's funny. My, my grandparents had a summer home in Connecticut uh, when I was growing up in New York. And mm-hmm. uh, we'd go a lot of weekends during the summer. The whole family would. And because uh, it was a lakefront property. And uh, it's about 10 miles from New Milford. And the fact that there's a bear, <laughs> that, that actually has me freaked out a little, little bit. Because it's like, boy, we, we went through the woods all over in that place uh, and thankfully, we never ran into a bear. Oh, well, I'm grateful that you didn't, and you're here to tell the yes. tale. Or Otherwise, I would have had to buy some pigs, apparently. Exactly. Just travel with pigs, and you'll Portable be fine. Portable pigs. Yeah. Well, My emotional support pigs. I'm being told by Sam, who technically is the boss, that we are out of time. I uh, do want to remind you, we've got news and traffic coming up here at the top of the hour. And when we return, this week's Christian Outlook. I had the opportunity to host this time around. I think you'll enjoy some of the interviews you'll have the opportunity to listen in on. So stick around for this week's Christian Outlook. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, news and traffic up next. Thanks for listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.